This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, Veteran Shoutout brought to you by Operation HHA USA. Go check them out. Uh, This one's submitted by Brian Watson. And the veteran is Shane Wiggett. Uh, he served in the United States Navy. Says Shane served four years in the Navy. Now he keeps people warm in the winter and cool in the summer but by being an HVAC tech. Deer camp is always a good time with him around. Just saying thanks for your service, buddy. Short Doug, and sweet, huh? Yeah, I like those ones. <laughs> awesome. Doug can't read, so those yeah, are yeah, different. It's hard for me to read. <laughs> thanks for your service, man. And uh, Yeah, thanks for your service, Shane, and uh, thanks for spending that, Brian. Yeah, blue collar out there getting it. Hopefully he listens while he's doing that. Hey, thanks for keeping us warm and cold when we need it. Yeah. We're going to need that. I thought, I thought he was going to be like, he works for Thermoseat. And I was like, wow. Look how, look, look how this came full circle. Here we are. Thanks for your service, man. Thanks, Shane. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. The podcast is presented by Elite Archery. We've been shooting Elite for a long time. Uh, proudly made in America. If Mark, that matters to you, it should. Um, USA. We challenge USA. you to take the shootability challenge with Elite. Go to a local dealer, find a dealer that carries Elite, and just give one a try. You might love it. We love them. And, uh, That's all we ask. We think you'd enjoy it, too. Let's so try. check out EliteArchery.com. Use code WCB there. Pretty easy. Um, the podcast is also brought to you by Big Time. And Big Time, if you live in a state that offers supplemental feed, they have that. And they have food plot <clears> seeds. <throat> so something for everyone. Use code WCB2021 to save yourself some coin on some good stuff for your deer. Cha-ching. Or You're going to like it. Or whatever animal. I might guarantee eat. it. I guarantee it. That's all. What's that? You're going to like the way your buck looks. Um, I guarantee it. I see what you're doing. Yeah, see like that? The podcast is also brought to you by Loophold Optics. Very proud of that partnership. We love Loophold. Based out of Beaverton, Oregon. That's right. Great people. Great products. Uh, from rangefinders to binos to spotting scopes for us. We don't really use the rifle scopes because we're not um, into gun hunting as much, but they make great scopes too. Mm-hmm. Um, performance eyewear. They got it all. Uh, we think you'll like it. Loophold Optics. Check them out. Tell them that we sent you. That helps out. Mm-hmm. The Midwest Takeover is what we're calling it. Loophold is going to be more and more involved in the whitetail game as uh, everywhere. As we work together. So yeah. give them a shot. 
where you just go buy whatever is at your big box store, you know, go out and, and play with the loophole. Um, also spy point cameras, um, from a cell link, which is a great entry way to get into some spy points to yep. the link micros. Um, they really have a lineup for everybody at a good price. Great price. And you can be an insider, an insider club on there. You get different pricing on your plans and entered into giveaways and all sorts of good stuff like that. Um, if you're going to buy a cell cam, just check them out. We think and they have like a free them. plan for 100 pictures a month. Which is you sweet during the it. summer. Yep. Sweet during the summer or in a spot where you don't get a ton of traffic. Yeah. So, um, and you can kind of you get better pricing with the Insiders Club, or you can kind of just price out what works for you or do the free plan. Why not? Um, Rogue Ridge e-bikes, uh, the entry and exit strategy for a lot of people come in and in and out of the deer woods and even probably the western woods whatever they're hunting um e-bikes are changing the way no central silent and it's fun yep i think people just forget it's fun hell you can even ride over to your buddy's house and drink a few beers you know i mean maybe you've done it <laughs> no <laughs> i'd never do that no. um the podcast also brought to you by scent crusher been working with scent crusher for a long time um i know you know, you can't always go scent free no matter what, but it goes, it helps to go in as scent free as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, always play the wind, but why not take every precaution that yeah. you can, especially if you're hunting mature whitetails? What you're dumb not to try it. Go the extra mile. Yeah, go the extra mile from the gear bag, the roller bag, everything. Love our scent crusher stuff. Uh, check them out, scentcrusher.com. And then that all being said, with another one of our partners that kind of ties into all our other partners is Old Barn Taxidermy. Yep. You know, you you spend your hard-earned money on some of these products that we believe in, products that believe or people behind the product that believe in us in order to partner with us. Don't go cheap on your taxidermy. Two things I don't cheap on, tattoos and taxidermy. It's pretty good. Right. Boom. And that's it. Everything else, maybe I'm cheap out, but <laughs> I'm a cheap I, ass. I'm over it. I pay for convenience anytime I can. <laughs> like I'm, I'm shopping at Harbor Freight, you know? Well, I mean, I'm a <laughs> Pittsburgh man, so uh, what's up? That's right. <laughs> um, and also Novix tree stands. Uh, we have a code for them working class 21 for 15% off and novixoutdoors.com. Um, you can get into an American made tree mm-hmm. stand, mm-hmm. um, for real, like really reasonably priced. And you can get into one for under uh bear stand with offset bracket, 9.2 pounds. That's, per, that's pretty kick-ass. That, that, that is kick-ass. That's, that's awesome. kick-ass. And what's great about them, they are local to us. Mm-hmm. So that's even better. Uh, made in USA. They're proud proud of that, and we're proud to be partnered with them. That's pretty right. awesome. Uh, back in the tree stand game. So check them out. That's code WC- we're back. Uh, Working Class 21. I, I always go WCB like in my head. Working Class 21 for 15% off. Mm-hmm. Um, tell them we sent you. Wait. Thank you for tuning into the podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. We, we got through them so you can get to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Bachman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really, really not that good. Working class. Class, one, 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 one
Welcome to the podcast. It's episode 465 in studio. Casey Morgan. Good to be here. Thanks for being here again. Third time on the podcast. That's right. And Greg, I probably mess up your last name every time. Did I mess it up last time when I introduced you? You're two for two. Of messing it up? Oh, yeah. Sick. Glissinger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Glissinger. Sick. You didn't correct him? Sick. No, I'm just going to let him hang himself. Oh, right. hey, at least I didn't fall asleep on your ass. We're going back to that, Doug. Tough break. Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. Say it. Your last name? Glessinger. Glessinger. I, I had G- and J. I messed it up. Hey, it's Glessinger. all good. Glessinger. I would have done that. You probably hear it every every way possible. All the time, yeah. Yeah. Glessinger. Glessinger is quite common. But yours looks more complicated. Mine looks really simple, but it's hard to like get through. So I live that with you a little it's, bit. It's no biggie. All good. Thanks for okay. being here anyway. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> All I know is I got a sticker. Yeah. You guys got those yeah, studio stickers. badges, man. Studio experience. Not you know what you those. should do is you need to make these in the patches with Velcro. I know. We got to find a good patch place. So that you can wear them and put them on stuff. I know. We, we got to find a good patch place. Would you put them on your camo hunting? That or a little patch you can sew on your hat. Or an even iron NASCAR on, this up, man. Let's go. Iron on patch. No. Someone give us a good patch place. We need good patch places. Good ones. Yeah. Affordable send, and easy to work with. Send working class bow hunter IG page a patch company. Yeah, we need we need someone easy Please. to work with. ASAP. Somewhere where we can ASAP. upload our own image imagery and there see how go. it's gonna look. There you go. We need simple. There's a simple thing out there, just haven't found it yet. Yeah. Somebody knows us listening to this podcast. Oh yeah. Sure. DM. This, working class. This episode I'm pretty excited for because it's something that gets brought up a lot in podcasts, but never gets a chance to be 100% focused on. And that topic is blood trailing. And then add into that dogs and blood trailing. And we learned the first time we podcasted with you guys in Wisconsin. Back in March. That Back in March that you are, in fact... Casey, not me. Casey. I'm looking at Casey yep. for people listening on audio only. <laughs> Episode 441, Doug fell asleep. Doug yep. fell asleep on that one. Just case anybody <laughs> didn't know, 441. Four, so let's say it one more time, Doug. 441, four, Doug falls asleep. Thanks, yeah. Greg. Hey, I guarantee he'll never forget that episode number. I know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. We're talking blood trailing with Casey. Yeah. Casey's the man. You're the blood trail guy. You're the expert. The man of the hour. I don't know if you'll ever be an expert on on it, but well, more than us. The more we talk about it, the better. We're, the more we're going to learn okay, about it. Okay, so. right. You're right. the expert in this room right now. Can we say that <laughs> the blood master? All right, let's talk first. Give an introduction on why we're calling you the expert. And now I'm not. You didn't call yourself the expert. To be clear, we called you that. But why are we calling you that? Uh, probably. Well, so I owned a, a, a business called Bloodhound Deer Trackers. It was uh, designed to go out and help hunters recover their deer by use of tracking dogs. Um, that was probably 20, 2010, I want to say. I started doing it seriously. Uh, we toyed with it a bunch when we were growing up, trying to figure out a way, just because when you're young, you constantly you know, have issues recovering deer. Mm-hmm. It's a part of growing up as a bow hunter. Yep. So I think that's how it kind of stemmed that and how we found ourselves here is we talked about that in the first podcast when we were out. Yeah, yeah. Tell well, them what kind of dog you had, Casey. At that, well, the, when I first started doing it, I had a bloodhound, an American bloodhound, uh, and I've since changed that over to a little smaller breed of dog, and by a little smaller, I mean completely different. So, <laughs> by, like, I, by like 80 pounds? Yeah, so um, I've, I've, I've gone a little smaller just because of 
transporting um, and just I think I can get just about the same efficiency out of this dog that I did in about one one hundredth of the size. So really, yeah, I think so. I mean, the good thing about a bloodhound is, I think a lot of people when you think about a tracking dog, you think about that, right? Because yeah, there's the yeah. deep south video yep. of a bloodhound tracking a human being across somewhere so they're like yeah, okay off that's a chain a gang yeah, off the chain gang. old brother where are thou type shit yeah, yeah. Exactly. They exactly. Heard the, they heard the blake shelton songs old yeah. red old red old, old red, red baby exactly. great reference doug you're really making up for that whole fall yeah. asleep thing he's picking up his pace hey, look, <laughs> at me, look at me go <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i mean that was my first step and uh i mean you can't argue with the nose of a bloodhound it is one of the best in the hound mm-hmm. world but uh since just learned a lot about getting drugged through the woods by a 120 pound dog in the middle of the night just gets old after a while so try to figure out a little different uh, solution to the problem but a little different <laughs> <laughs> exactly nights so explain the dog that you have now and how the the process because this is really quite phenomenal for those who are not in this circle which well, is a very small circle to begin with mm-hmm. yeah well okay so well, let's back up a little bit so the reason why greg and i know each other is oh, because okay. of this this deer tracking business i was doing a seminar at deer fest in west bend wisconsin on game recovery seven years ago eight years ago eight years ago and shot selection and how to handle just specific wounds and things like that and Mm -hmm. uh greg's son talked him into going to the seminar because he thought the dogs were cool and all that so that's how greg and i talked after that seminar was over and that's how we kind of met how no kidding this all came to pass that's awesome damn dog yeah old red yeah exactly (laughs) in this case booner was his name yeah yep so as of, if you look into uh, game recovery or blood tracking, you realize there's a book out there, and it's pretty much like the book mm-hmm. that you can read as far as training game recovery dogs. And uh, it's written by a guy named John Giannini, and, and he is a breeder for what is called a European tracking tackle or a wire-haired dachshund. Now, these dogs don't look like your run-of-the-mill wiener dog that you see, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're a Dachshund. little... Exactly. So they're a little more lean and athletic looking um and they've they're bred initially for uh badgers foxes denned animals so they're a hunting dog breed mm-hmm. it's just that we've figured out over the years that it's nice to have a dog that's not pulling your arms off um that tracks at a nice slow pace and you can kind of keep up with it and mm-hmm. uh they just work really nice for for what you're trying to do with them yeah so. that makes a lot of sense that's interesting because like you said i think big hound Yes. All the time. So anything yeah. else being completely ignorant to this whole deal, I'm like, that. that's it? Yeah. That's what you're using? Yep. I hear but, that. That makes sense. 100%. And I think that I'm interested to see, because I have not used this dog to track for anybody else yet. So I'm interested to see what the look of the hunters that- When you pull it, up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because right. they're expecting a hound. Little wiener dog comes yeah, running out of the I mean, dog. literally, it will fit in your backpack. It will. That's kind of awesome, though. Yeah. It's easy to get it. Just take them with you hunting initially if you're feeling that cocky. Oh, I've, I've done it several times already have for training right? purposes. Yeah. Yep. So yep. did you train this dog yourself, or did you, like, send him off and have him trained? No, I've, I've trained it myself. I trained the, the first dog, um, Boomer, and another female myself. Um, just... I started off with uh, a lot of beagles and rabbit hunting when I was little, and uh, we started with that, and you know we just had 
a beagle that was gun shy to be perfectly honest if anyone's in the hound world you know a dog that's gun shy is basically worth a shit you know mm-hmm. but it was important to me so i started you know messing with that dog on game recovery because you don't have to shoot over a game recovery dog right, right. Uh, they right. could be gun shy he's gotta use his nose exactly so that was the plan and kind of how it all originated but just through learning and reading books and talking to other guys that are into it, um, men and women across the United States, uh, just kind of learned the ins and outs of how to train the dog, and that's where I'm at now. And he's, like, he's, let me interrupt. Casey's being extremely humble right now. Yeah. So I'm going to help you out on this, Kurt. Yeah, thank um, you. How many, how many tracks did you do right before we met up to that point of time with you and Booner? What was the number? Yeah, the, the last year that we did it, uh, we did 88 tracks. We covered 72 of those 88 wow, tracks. Wow, damn, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was a good year. Holy crap. That's a lot of tracks. I mean, it, it's that dog was running almost nightly. That's a ton of experience right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine some of the blood, like different blood and scenarios and stories you've heard about a blood trail, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I still... I'm Sorry, on, Eric, I cut you off a little No, you're good. Bit. No, I'm on quite a few pages and uh, chat rooms and stuff like that with uh, other game recovery dog owners, mm-hmm. and literally daily... I hear of another situation that, you know, where there's either there's blood everywhere and the the deer was not recovered and all of a sudden some guy gets a picture of it later on or. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to just listen to what everyone has to say and learn from it, from, from it all, because there's each situation. So that's dynamic. what makes blood trailing so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, can I ask and you can tell me just straight up like, hey, listen, that's something I've learned and I don't want everyone to know my secret. Like, that's completely fine. But and I know how to train a dog is probably a whole nother a hundred podcasts in itself. Sure. Uh, but like on a basic, that's how I was level, like break it down a little bit. Yeah. It's like, how do you even start? It's that, that literally is a, a podcast conversation in itself. But right. what I would say to anyone who's getting going is start with basic things at first with your dog, sit, stay, come basic, you know, command, commands Obedient. for exactly obedience yep. training. And once that's done, you start with a liver or a high drag to encourage that chase drive that's in every dog, basically. You know, you could drag it in front of a cat and something will chase something that's moving. Right. And you, then from there, you progress to a liver drag. And I use deer liver um, to try to get that blood scent. The liver is an extremely scent um, full organ. And then at the end, you know, you, you have a little bit to cut off and you treat the dog. And that's the start. Then. This is where you're going to find dog owners and game recovery guys across the nation fist fighting. Okay. From here, there's a million different ways you can proceed. My biggest thing is I try to proceed by having that dog tracking wounded deer. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg and I are pretty fortunate that we can put ourselves in situations quite often throughout the year that we can get the dog on. Now, not everyone has that kind of time or right. all that stuff, but yeah. in my opinion, and you'll talk to anyone like if you have a pheasant dog, how does that dog stay sharp by hunting pheasants? pheasants? Yeah, right. So that's where I kind of switch to purely uh, just straight game recovery on, on getting the dog on on either what I call a gimme track where Greg or I will shoot a deer and we'll just drop the dog on it, even if it's like a double lung. Yeah, 40 even, yard even if you smoke, we know we saw him go down. We still go get the dog. Yeah, smart, yeah. smart. Yeah. So that dog's with you. If you guys are hunting, that dog's with you. Uh, for now, yeah, he's gonna. That's the plan pr- moving forward. Yeah. Right. Now, again, with the bloodhound, that would have been extremely difficult. It's a sure. huge dog. You can't have the dog run. You know, loud and everything. So he loud sheds. He's huge. Drools. He drools. 
He's a six-year-old kid that has an appetite that never stops. <laughs> and right. he's a mess. He can bark. He's a oh, mess. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's a mess. But the, okay. the new one is is like a house dog. What's yeah. the new one's name? Frankie. It's a female, and it's, we gave it the name because of uh, Ballpark Frank, like a wiener. Oh, yeah. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Greg and I, are, I like it. We're both pretty big baseball fans, if you can't tell by the name of the deer. that Yeah. 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 So... You know that's that's where the name come from came from. But so uh, where you said the argument, you know, this is where a lot of guys start to fist fight is like throwing them right on the live tracking deal, and, and, or you know, on a game, a, a real life game trail or uh, track job. I guess what do other guys suggest? So from there, you can gather deer blood. Like I don't really agree. People will say you can use like you can get blood from a cow or from anything, any right. roadkill or anything, and lay that down because there's a certain amount of iron content in blood that they, people tend to think that the scent is very similar from one blood type to another. So they're saying blood is blood. Yeah, they are, and there's some truth to that. My philosophy on it is that if you're training the dog to track deer, why don't you use deer blood or deer right. parts yeah. or all the stuff? So yeah. So what they will do is gather blood, and they'll lay training lines. And I do that, too, um, to be honest, for practice. Mm -hmm. But the problem with laying a training line is that inevitably you walk that line to lay it down. So you dropped whatever scent that you have on you, which is for certain some, and when you went to lay that line. So that dog is smelling you the entire tracking line. Right. And it knows blood. you so well. And, and you can put rubber boots on. As we know, we talk about it all the time about scent control as deer hunters. No matter how much you do, you still smell. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I have found is that every dog I've ever owned that I've laid these practice lines for has run them at like world record speed. They're just like, <laughs> and they find them. Even, even if it takes me two and a half hours to lay a two mile track, They'll run it and get to the end, and I'm just like, oh. 20 minutes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's just not really that great use of time, right, in my opinion. To me, I'm, the way you're explaining it, that seems pr Logical. pretty obvious. Right? Like, Logical. Yeah, yeah. It's all good work for the dog. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, you know, because any time you get the dog out and get it working, it's good for it. It's good. Right, it's yeah, just right. not the most effective. Exactly. That makes but sense. also, you can't do that all year, all year long the way you do is tracking deer. So there's got to be a regimen you do in the summer, correct? There, there is. But fortunately for me, and I talk about this a lot, is I have friends in the um, that have crop damage tags um, and a couple guys in the high fence world that will allow me to get deer parts and things like that and practice down that avenue. That's awesome. So we, uh, I, I am fortunate in a lot of different ways that way, but I still think that ultimately the dog needs to run live tracks if it's yeah. going to find yeah. wounded now, deer. I, I'm ignorant enough to this whole process that I don't really know um, how to conversate with you. So, but I'm just going to dive in somewhere and you, you tell me <laughs> what, let me get to something else before we get to that. Sure. So what if there's no blood on a deer and you know, your dog has experience can, can is it still trackable if there's no blood? Yeah, hundred percent. So what the dog, okay. If you ever wondered how a pack of wolves or coyotes can track down and kill a sick or an injured white-tailed deer, why do they target that specific deer? So a wounded deer secretes a different type of scent through their interdigital glands, and that's just simply because they're stressed. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a food plot, and let's say there's 15 to 20 deer in that food plot, and you shoot your bow off, immediately all those deer that stick their feet in the ground and run off are stressed out. You just stress them out. So that's the hardest part of the track. 
the first part when there's four or five deer around and you shoot your bow off. Now, how do we distinguish what Which line one? continues? The right. one that is hit will continue to give off that scent down the line. Mm. And the ones that aren't will not. So that's always the hardest part is getting off the line right. with the thing. So hmm. interdigitally, the deer smell different when they're wounded than when they're alive and healthy. Interesting. Yes. That's crazy. I didn't know that. We're going to learn a lot on this podcast, I believe. Yeah, it's, so, about it's like deeper shit because it's like you don't think about that stuff because you don't have to. Really. I have two dogs and they just lay on the couch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, they That's do, really interesting. Yeah. So like I said, you're training your dog to do the same thing a coyote can do, yeah. which is track down a sicker and injured deer and recover. Is that something that you can train or is that something that comes with them kind of just following blood with experience? So does that question make sense? Yeah. So again, there will be a lot of arguments of this because there's people out there that have manufactured tracking shoes where you can put the hooves of a deer into those shoes and walk a line. And the idea is that that will be an interdigital scent line that you're laying. Hmm. My theory is exactly what you said, which is, I don't think so. I think that the more the dog tracks and the more it experiences success along blood and interdigital scent, interdigital scent combined, they just start to correlate those two things. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, just, but you have to have them and they have to be experienced and they have to run a lot of tracks. So the really what I'm getting into this, if I'm a guy that gets a dog and wants to train a blood trailing dog, assuming legal where I live and all that, the best thing for me to do, if I don't have access to like, you know, the, the opportunity and like you guys are deep in the, the hunting community. There's more resources. You're like everything in your guys' life is surrounded by basically deer tracking. Yes. But if a guy is like an average dude that has just regular bow hunting friends, basically put a note out to your buddies. Hey, when you kill a deer and you're going to track it, let me bring my dog, whether you watched it fall or not. That's right. That's right. probably the best thing to, 100%. to do. That's right. Okay. Yep. Whether it's a doe, small deer, big buck, doesn't matter. Even if get it goes it. 20 yards, you watch it fall, but yep. get it on that trail. Get out. Get out and, and don't don't lay any scent. Let yeah. let the dog do it. I mean, it's kind of like what you, uh, Greg said in this last podcast, it's homework. That it dog's doing homework. I mean, yeah. he's getting yeah. out there and he's doing it. He's getting out there and doing what he needs to do. And yeah. I, will, I will tell you this, is if you've never had the opportunity to watch a dog work, it will blow your mind. I never have. It is so fascinating to see these animals do what they do. It is. It's hard to put in words the skill that they have. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen a, a dog track blood, but I have a blue healer, and I watched him work cows one day. Never trained him. Never did anything. We just went out to DNA. a buddy's farm, and he's he's moving those cows where he wants them. I'm like. I could have sat there and drank all night watching him just work these cows. It was amazing. Yeah, my beagle, when it finds a rabbit trail, holy shit. Yeah, that's yeah, impressive. You think it's dying. Yeah. They like freak genetic. Shit. Yeah, they yeah. just freak out. So you need to get that strong genes going, and then you have to do less training. Yeah, well, that's why I have the dog that I have now. He's straight off the line. I mean, they're from, it's a European import, and it's it's you know its parents are one of the best. I can no pull up the pedigree, and yeah, it took you three years on the list. Is he, that right? Three years, three years on a list that I eventually didn't get. You know, so then so it was actually six years. I was three years on one list that the person got out of breeding dogs after the three years, so I never got one and then another three years on this list that Wow. It was oh. hilarious. So last September we're in uh we're in Colorado. Yeah. We're in yeah. Colorado and also we're we're getting settled, go to bed. You know, we're middle of elk season, going at it hard and tired. I'm getting settled for bed and all of a sudden he jumps out of bed like like something went bad at home. Yeah. I could see his face. Yeah. 
And I was like, this is not good. You know, and he grabbed his phone and off he went out of, out of the house. I don't know where he went, but he was gone. And he was gone for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. He comes back and he is on cloud nine. So I was stressed that something happened at home because right. he was so in tune. Frantic a little bit. Frantic. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, dude, I think I just got the dog that I've been waiting for for three or four years. I'm like, what? And yeah. he, he told me the whole story. And so. That's funny that you didn't already know about it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Something you're waiting on. You're just like. I'm just. You probably didn't want to jinx yourself by telling people about it. Huh? That's like uh, drawing a Yukon moose tag. You know? Yeah, it is it's hilarious. <laughs> They're hard to get a hold of, especially the good ones. You know. Yeah. I got cool, to see wait, what the price tag was on that dog. <laughs> you don't have to per say. inch. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> per weight. <laughs> per dog, per it's pound. not terrible, but yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, you're gonna, the ROI on this one is going to be a hell of a lot more because you don't have to feed them, but about a tenth of the amount exactly right yeah that was tiring with my bloodhound i mean great dog i mean probably have to place some blame on where i am today to that dog or credit credit yeah yeah yeah. Um, so how many how many total tracks did booner do uh we did life we did 640 tracks roughly plus or minus and we were about 78 to 85 percent recovery rate it's pretty impressive the thing about that i got better at was picking what tracks to go on and things like that what can you break that down a little bit so so let me jump in kurt so let's yeah. casey so to, to help the listeners let's break down the do's and don'ts of when you get the phone call of what you're looking for yeah. and why and also the key number one is you got to be honest yeah thank god you're and, here and i'm sure like he's you're gonna ask questions as soon as they call you. oh yeah, yeah i can break it down and i i used to have a piece of paper that i would go through mark walk through questions like a checklist I, yeah type deal and i'd hit all qualify. those checks you had to qualify yeah, yeah. so like yeah, exactly immediately when someone calls you they immediately are super excited and they have a lot of wants they want to go track the deer they want to go looking for it they want to get down immediately normally when you get called as a tracker unfortunately but just a part of the business is that they've already looked for the deer and they have been unable to recover it in an ideal situation they would not do that the minute you have a a feeling because you kind of know when you drill a deer like when you drill them drill them and they burn off and just pile up you're like okay If anything other than that happens, you got to sit down and say, all right, what was just a little bit of miss in that situation? Mm -hmm. And that's when I say, the minute you have that feeling, if you could get a hold of a guy, or maybe you know someone that has a dog, or it goes on, you know, call it 30, 40 tracks a year, or your best buddy, and just give them a shout and start talking through the situations. Mm -hmm. The checklist that I always went through was, how far was the shot? How high were you in the stand? Were you in a ground blind? You know, was the deer quartering to, quartering away, broadside, you know, or facing butt to you, however however you want to break that down. And then, you know, what did you do after the shot? What was the, what were the mannerisms or body language of the deer after the shot? You know, was the tail flickering? Was that, and, and we could sit there and break down all of those things and how to treat each individual thing. But ultimately as a hunter, that was what I would ask people um, before I would go out and track and well, usually, that, that more important one is that what what did you do after? The thing is, it is important. If you could, if you could, people would have saved themselves so many deer by not getting down and tracking them. I mean, it's just right. the way it is, and that's why in the previous podcast, Greg and I talked about how if we don't see the deer fall and its tongue's not hanging out in front of us, we don't go track the deer. Mm-hmm. Right. 
we just stop. We get out of there. We sit at the truck. We think about it. We replay it in our mind or replay it via video. Mm-hmm. And then we say, okay, this is a deer. We can go in and find this deer and recover it. Or we need to pull out and wait till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is when people call Casey is the emotions are high. Yep. yep. And they usually are pro finding the deer, less about being honest. Because the minute he drops his dog, he'll know within five minutes this guy's full of shit or not. Yeah, or if he just came or, here on or a buck, thinks it was something else, or, or a bucket of lies, right, to get him there, <laughs> right? Which right. only hurts the situation, right? Yeah. So put your put your honest pride in the back seat and tell the guy as much as you can straight up. But you're, the, you're the doctor for the recovery. A hundred percent. You got to tell the doctor what's wrong. No smoke screen. Yeah. Because it, then it's harder to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, hey, listen, you can go and tell your buddies whatever, but like, I don't have any vested interest in whether or not you really get the deer back or not. I just want to know where you hit the deer for real. Mm-hmm. You know, because if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Oh. I drilled it and it was right behind the shoulder. I'm like, well, why are we talking? Yeah, why are you calling me? Why are you calling me? The, this is going to be the easiest money I've ever made. Perfect. I'll be there in five minutes. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. This is how much it'll be a C in 10. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point, man. That I mean, a good, that's a I mean, great point. Hey. Shout out to those guys. I'm assuming most of the time they already tried finding the deer, right? Usually, yeah. yeah. I mean, do, because. Do you see a lot of lies about like. The guys that went and looked for it, and they're like, I didn't go look for it yet. Oh, I only went over the ridge. Yeah, right. And then it comes out over time. They're stomping everywhere. I think over the last few years, a lot more of it, just because they have started to learn like that there's other trackers around and like what you can and cannot tell these guys. Right. And, right. and so there's some more of that. But I also think the emotions are running so high a lot of times that they just don't know. Right. Which would be better to say as well. Like, hey, man, I I really don't know. I think this, but it was happened so fast. I I have a hard time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so be honest about it. Yeah, if you don't know. It's also like a very emotionally controlled situations and vibes. And you're dealing with people at weird spots, especially like, you know, like we talked about in the previous podcast, how your brain does weird things in the 100%. moment and mm-hmm. you can, you think things went a certain way, but then you check in with him and it's like, well, no, this is what happened or whatever it may be. So you're automatically dealing with just kind of the people not thinking clearly. Anyway, That's right. You know, well, when you come back to us as humans, we all have a great amount of pride mm-hmm. and it's very hard to look yourself and other people and say, man, I really had a shit shot. Yeah, you don't, like, you don't like defeat. You never, you never really feel very many people be honest about it. You don't want to admit it. No, and and if you notice the people in behind, in front of TV lenses, cameras, we have to be honest. Mm-hmm. We can't lie. Yeah, because it's right Everyone's there. It's right there. Yeah. So that's if, black and white. Right it's there. black and white. If we make a bad shot, we're going to say, "Hey, that's on me." Yeah. It was a bad shot, and it's over. You know, we all do it. If you, if you haven't done it, if you're a bow hunter. Wait, it's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. The best thing, if you admit it, you feel a hell of a lot better you do. afterwards. You, you do. do. Well, because you get real advice. Yeah. Because it's funny. All these times that he's gone on tracks, he'll call me and he'll go, man, that was a freaking shit show. You know, and, <laughs> and, it, and it's usually because someone wasn't honest. Yeah. Right. You know, and yeah. it, it makes his job harder mm-hmm. uh, knowing what he's trying to do. So that's the number one thing I tell anybody who calls in is just swallow your pride and be straight up honest so he yeah. knows what he's going into well that also makes it even more impressive the success numbers the victories versus the l's if you will you can't really even yeah, consider right. that but it's like For the sure. amount of recoveries versus non-recoveries even dealing with all this stuff that you're talking about 
Um, I mean, if you had to, maybe you can't even do this. <laughs> what percentage? See, I, that's why I'm asking these questions. Like, it's things I I think you can categorize it, but you might not be able to. Um, what percentage of uh, recoveries that you go on do you think that people aren't being honest with you? <laughs> Purposely or not purposely, as far as the honesty thing goes, I would say that 75 to 80 percent of the time they don't have a great idea of what they're talking about as far as where they either hit the deer or what the deer looked like after or where the deer was standing when they shot it. Um, Gun, that's the biggest thing. With a gun, nobody ever knows where that right. deer was when they shot. Mm. It's a far shot. And undoubtedly, they they it was standing over here and they think it was over there, you know, and there's a lot of that. Um, I didn't even think about that. I'm just thinking when you're, Hey guys, we interrupt this podcast to bring you an advertisement, but wait, <laughs> just listen. Please. We're sorry. I know we hate commercials. We hate them. Hey, listen, just listen. You're here anyway. This isn't a commercial. It's a recommendation. It's a PSA. Oh, there we go. Yeah. We care about your hearing. That's right. We do. We work blue collar jobs, except for Doug. Um, Hey, Doug. Uh, I still care about your hearing, though. We're going to use Eric as the poster boy for this segment real quick. Let's do it. Because Eric works in a race car shop, really. Yeah. That's the best way to explain it. And uh, you're using, I mean, impact tools to grinding, to welding, to yeah. whatever. CNC, CNC machines running all day long. Not great for your hearing. No, not. It's bad. And listen, it's easy to not give a shit because I don't give a shit, really, a lot. But now I'm starting to care. Now that I have, like, a daughter with a really small voice. Right. And my wife has a really small voice. I'm always like, what? What? Huh? What? What? Um, the point of this, Isotune Sport um, is now partnered with us, which we are thankful for, because if you're at work and you have to wear hearing protection, Isotune's got has you covered there and Bluetooth capable. So you can listen to your podcast while at work, while protecting your hearing. Um, I've been using mine on the mower because I have a lot of grass to mow, and it's it's been amazing. I used it the other day while putting it in big time plots on the tractor. Yep. Um, I was u- using the Isotune Sport Defy. Um, the earmuffs, right? Yep, the earmuffs. Yep. Completely protect your hearing. You can hear your music good. It's not overpowering. It's not blowing out your eardrums through the music. And you can almost still hear, like, you can hear the machinery run. So it's like protecting your hearing. You still hear machinery. So you kind of have, like, a sense of your surroundings. And you can clearly hear music. Right. And it's nice, too, with the earmuffs. That's what I was using last night to cut down a tree with a chainsaw. So, like, as soon as that chainsaw revs up, it, it quiets the noise. Because I didn't have any music playing, so it quiets the noise. And then as soon as you let off, you can almost hear better. It like, yeah. amplifies the noise around you. And you can control all that. There's buttons on the side. Yep. You can just reach up and control, like, basically to your liking. So you can still hear people talk if you don't have any yep. background noise yep. going. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Or, you know, what you can do is you can act like you have music on and listen to people talk shit about you while you have them on. That's right. Mm, so that's right. there's that, too. Uh, isotunesport.com. That's code. What did I say? I forget. My code's WCB10. Save yourself some money. Check them out. We're really proud to have them as a partner. Back to the show. Tracking deer or bow hunting. Me, too. Yeah, me, I'm too. Just, we're, just, we're just bow hunting. Yeah. 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 I mean, so... I, I would say 75 to 80% that the information that you receive via phone call prior to the track is not accurate. I wouldn't call it lying. I'd just say that it's just not spot on. Their, so, right. their memory is skewed because of the moment. Yeah. yeah, a lot of that. What percentage of tracks that you go on, like what would the shot be? Like what's the number one shot like or bad shot or shot placement that you get the call on? The number one track I would say that you go on that we most often recover would be paunch, guts, or intestines. Mm-hmm. 
that's a that's a one where it's a huge area on the whitetail, and if you miss back a little bit, that's right where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you got liver back there, and and but like, I just see a lot of those calls, and it's when if treated the right way, it's an, it's a very easy recovery. For so the let's dog. talk about yeah. that, Casey. Explain what that means when you say treated the right way, so listeners understand what that means. Yeah. So obviously, the number one thing is to not try, push that deer before it expires. Mm-hmm. If you if you push the deer before it expires, you can bet on not recovering it. So let's backtrack. So the minute you find your arrow. You're going to see some bile. Yeah. It's going to be green, most likely. Yeah. It's going to smell. It's going to smell. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you stop there and you go to the truck. Yes. You're even, done. Even if you feel like it's one lung or liver gut or something like that on the angle of the deer. You're, is, you're, that, is that why you use a liver for the training purposes? Because most of the time, like, you know, if you double lung or do a hard shot, that, that deer most likely is going to be dead. Yeah. Well, I've got a story that will cover that story here in a second. So... Yes and no. So, number one, when you're dealing with a puppy for the training purpose, you want something that smells really potent because it, they get super excited over this. Hat. It's like throwing a steak on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Dogs just, they, they, <laughs> they're attracted to that, you know. So, that's that's why. But also, yes, anything you do as far as training-wise, you want to train in the zone you're going to be in. Sure. That's yeah. why I didn't quite understand, like, the the you know the roadkill blood from a raccoon or something being used for training. I was like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wouldn't train them for a math test studying you know geography, geography. exactly <laughs> yeah it's like blood with like half motor oil in it from the chevy cavalier that <laughs> ran it over and took out its oil pan right, right. <laughs> you know it goes back to if it's a liverhead it's gonna be really dark and red yes a yeah. very deep red yep and if you see that it's you know 18 to 24 to 26 hours yes so you know if you see that on your arrow it's don't even don't even waste your time right yep. just just hold exit. up exit exit right now and what greg is saying that's the number one issue is tracking too soon number one worst thing you can do and re- results excited are, and well what happens is more often than not people are going to push the deer mm-hmm. when yep. you push that deer more often than not he's going to move off the property that that individual has permission to hunt right so now we're compounding the problem by pushing the deer now we've got to go through you know neighbors phone calls at or stops him from going because it's 10 30 11 o'clock midnight and you can't call your neighbor mm-hmm. right so you really want to exit left yeah. because well, there's was, there's more issues to this and that's the issue i had a couple couple years ago when i lost that deer i called doug you know and it was like 2 a.m because i couldn't sleep i'm like hey let's go track this deer it's been five six hours he's got to be dead he wasn't he wasn't mm-hmm. no yeah that's, that's, that's yeah liver hit how long 18 24 26 right case yeah because even if you think it's eight to 12, you know, you just err on the side of caution every time. It's a fatal hit. They're dead. Yeah. You just got to give them time. But if you push them, they might bed three, four, five, six times. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've bumped up liver shot deer, shoot them at seven in the morning and bump them up at four in the afternoon. You're better off if you've, I mean, if you've got a day, give them a day. That's a great 24 hours. That's a great tip right there. And it's better tracking in daylight than at night because... If you are tracking in the night and you excuse me and you bump a deer, you can't identify the deer you bumped. Yeah, you're just hearing noise. You're hearing noise. So or now you're now you're questioning yourself: Is that him or is it not? Do I keep right. going or or what happened? So we always well, prime example was the one I shot in the heart. Yeah, this past fall. I mean, yeah. it's all in video. I mean, we we both said he was dead. Yeah, forty one ish yards, mm-hmm. forty two. And smoked him in the heart. Uh, Onyx told us how far it was. 
I don't know. It was just shy of a mile. Yeah. Really? Oh, shit. Over a mile. Damn. And confirmed heart shot. How? You tell me. If you lower yeah, the tough, bottom part tough, of the heart where SOB. you're not catching, you know, the arterial stuff in there, you can nick the bottom of that heart and they can go. I mean, yeah, I'm no mean, kidding. Yeah. The, the, the biggest, so, oh, go ahead. So to finish that up, I had the pleasure of talking to Tracker John on the same scenario. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's your number one misconception? He said, a heart shot deer. And I said, why? He said, because they can die in a hundred and they can die in a mile and a half. Yeah. He goes, it's a muscle depending on where you hit that muscle. Depends on, and he goes. The will to live is second to none. Right, right. I mean, it makes sense and when you I, break it, it down like that. Yeah, but I was wouldn't. My have first that. experience hitting it. I mean, we smoked him. I thought it was over fifty yards and in, and we just kept going and finally we, we backed out and we gave him. Was it eight hours? Nine hours? Yeah, yeah. Eight nine hours. Went back in. On do, you a think hard he, shot. do you think he died right away? Like after he got done moving? I wish or? I knew. Yeah, I wish I knew. I would guess not because it seemed like. There were spots where he slowed and he then slowed. stopped and then crossed again. Yeah. So, like grab composure and then kept moving or something like that. Well, yeah, the, but it wasn't long, I bet. No, but the thing was, is we we went probably two hundred yards mm-hmm. on the track, maybe two fifty. Yeah, and I'm like, this is not good. And mm-hmm. when I, we were up on a ridge and we're glassing, it was myself and Derek, my son, and and Casey. And I'm like, guys, we smoked this thing. If he's not here, it's not good. I don't know where he is. So all I know is. Us doing this is not good. Right. Something's yeah. weird. Something's weird. We just need to back out and come out eight, nine hours later. And so we went, we shot him first thing in the morning and we went in like 4.30 or 5.30 at, at, in the afternoon. It had to be at least. It's it it right before dark. It was. Right before dark. And we shot him first thing in the morning. So um, I think these things were always going to teach us new lessons. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, another one, uh, Taylor Drury hit one in the heart. Yeah. last year it's the exact same, same shot same shot same everything and they had to call the dogs and they looked for i don't know how long before they found it same really? story really yes that's, that's so crazy i never i've i've honestly i'm a double lung guy we've yeah, talked about this be. before and should that's be. just the safest bet uh, i want to tell a really quick side story i probably told on the podcast my dad's last buck uh last october shot a real big 168 pointer he hit it like the angle is real steep, hit it high and like buried in the outside shoulder. So the, there was no exit hole, but the wound was up high mm-hmm. and he was in this willow thicket near this creek. And we were tra- we waited. Uh, I worked late on a rare time. So by the time I got out there, it was already like 1 a.m. And he shot it early in the afternoon in a willow thicket on like a 90 degree day. So we're kind of worried about the meat, whatever. Ended up being fine, thank God. But we go in and track it. And we're, as we're looking for where the the trail was and it was hard to tell because it's all willows it's like a tunnel in yeah. there and he shot it in a certain pocket i think it was bed in the willows got up to move to bed down again and he caught it in between like in a wind shift and um so no blood and we're looking 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 well there's beavers in the water freaking out and i, I don't have no experience around any beavers and they were slapping oh, their yeah. tails and I'm hearing slaps, and I'm like, Dad, your buck's in the creek. So I run over, hop hop the little, like, there's like a little fence thing there at the creek, and I'm like looking with my headlamp, and I'm going to just see water rippling. I'm like, he's in the creek, he's in the creek. It's no, There's no buck in the creek. <laughs> and, and, but the way it sounded to me, I could just picture sure. like a buck that yeah. is laying in the creek and can't sure. get up, like thrashing in the water. Makes sense. Kurt's and, out there swimming in the creek. Makes sense. And my dad's like, Kurt, no, it's beavers. It's got to be beavers. And then we kept hearing it. And I'm like, I don't know. So I hopped the fence like probably three times that night. 
and we didn't find the deer. It was it was deader than a doornail, like right after the shot. But <laughs> sure. that's just funny side story. I heard that and I'm like, he's in the creek, you know, yeah, freaking out. He's in the creek. Got all cut up by a fence, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, like what what happens to these deer when they're pushed is immediately after the shot, it's instant adrenaline for them. It's mm-hmm. flight mode, right? They take off and they run and they get out of there like, oh, oh something's wrong, and then they stop. And they, they realize that they're hurt, and then the adrenaline starts wearing off. And at that point, the pain Survival. is starting to be real. Mm-hmm. So their odds of moving very far after that are not high. But if you go in there and run up their rear end again, you're just starting the process all over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Liver, liver or gut shot deer is going to take off and go. I mean, if you bump them two or three times, yeah. it just makes it that much harder to walk up and on. That's a great way to break it down. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like, when you bump that deer, it starts that process all over. That adrenaline kicks yeah. in, and they're just going to do that again and the again. Instinctive and again. all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. The rule of thumb that we always watch, you know, we're lucky enough to film everything we do, is a dead deer is truly going to die within, without question, 150 yards. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong, Casey? No, yeah, or or break it down into into time. You know, like yes, you know, 150 yards or a few seconds. You know, yes. that they're right. yes. they're not they, on their if, feet for if, minutes. If on you it. smoke them in the in the in the double long or heart shot, if you truly, you know, tendering them. I've never seen a whitetail that we've smoked go more than 150. Usually, uh-huh. 85 to 125 is the norm. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're tracking and it's past 150, 175, 200, time out. Get the back out. out there. Yes. Yeah. Good advice. You're, you, he's, not, he's not dead. So we'll call it the 85 to 150 range. Yeah. 80, sure. 155 yeah. rule. Sure. 85 to 150 rule. Sure. I mean, think of how, how long can you sit there and hold your breath? You know, not very long, especially if you didn't like. Especially gear if you're up running. Especially yeah. if you're running. Yeah, take no off kidding. running. You have no oxygen. You you're freaking tell us fast. Hell, if I'm double long, I'm just gonna lay there. I ain't running. Yeah. Dude, you miss me. I'm still gonna lay down. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I'm done. I give up. Um, what what's the expiration period that you found to be the most common for like a like a gut hit deer? I. I my rule is to always give that deer 24 hours. 24 hours. Before I'll, before I'll track. I, I always say 24 hours. I want to give it 24 hours because I don't want to track live deer. I've done it. I've been on that wild goose chase. It's Never not ended. generally fun. With my bloodhound, it was a lot. There were some very interesting stories you can get into over a live deer and a dog that size. Now, for sure, I probably wouldn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but just say, for sake of argument, 24 hours. They can, if you're back in just pure intestines, meaning you're behind the paunch, then you might be talking about 36, 48 hours. Just no depends. You have no They're fatal hits. Yeah. Yeah. And they're probably depending a lot on the type of broadhead you use, too. Like if you're using a big mechanical head that's just ripping stuff up, it's probably going to double or cut in half the expiration time versus a, a fixed blade head. Yeah. 100%. I mean, definitely the more trauma you can cause, the. The better, faster they're going to expire. And, you know, if it's at a little bit of an angle and you're back there and you catch the back hip, you know, they might expire a little faster just because you hobbled them from going very far and all those yeah. things. There's a lot of different intricacies. Mm-hmm. Now, here's another one that's always hot debate is, you know, when you've got one that's liver or guts and you have a form that's got a lot of coyotes mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a big deer, yeah. right? The old debate is, do I go in in dark when you you can't see anything or do you wait till morning? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have that debate with anybody because that's that's your call to make. Yeah. But do you want to find them or do you not? Right. 
and more often than not, you got to be on the on the you know conservative side, even though the coyotes are probably a problem. But he's a problem anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, are you just going to push him farther off your farm um, and risk that, or find him you know a third eaten and find him on your farm? You're leaning. You're leaning the coyote gamble than you are the, well, it's not like coyote We coyote. always do, yeah. because I'm always afraid of pushing off the property lines. Right. Yeah, that's very fair. Well, that's a fair well, because a because people, once you cross that property line, you lose all control. You have no control of your end situation. Yep. Well, in a lot, of, a lot of states, too, you can't cross that property line. You can't. And that's a thing that I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of Illinois, people... In Illinois, I don't believe that you can, but I don't know for sure. You have to have permission from the landowner you to do to, it. Yeah. Iowa, you can pursue a blood trail, right, over property. You, you can't have a weapon, though. No weapon and only the hunter. Only the hunter. No dog, no so buddies. Like, nope, well, nope. now with this new law... Yeah, we'd have to look into that. That's that an excellent that's question. A, that's, that's a great, great question. I don't know point. about because they passed now that you can track deer with a dog in Iowa. I don't know about that, but before... Yes, if, if, it, if you're animal that you shot and you have a blood trail you can cross property lines without permission without mm-hmm. a weapon and hunter only hunter only nobody nope. no no yeah. nobody with a no nope. but see that goes back to you know if i think we all most of us hunt with a, a buddy or a friend or relative yep. or whatever right and when you get into these situations if you can rely on somebody else to come help you do that oh mm-hmm. absolutely and um what we do really well is when we're tracking one is on the ground with eyeballs and one is looking up because more often than not, when you're looking down and you spook something, the guy looking at the ground can't catch yeah, fast, fast enough gone. what's looking. Right. So we always have at least one up and one down, and then we're scanning. So if we do see something, Smart. we know what's going on. It yeah. wasn't that deer. Yeah. And we always try to do it in daylight. Never, very rarely would do we do it at night. Very rarely. And that's the thing, too. Like, even if, like, I can pursue a deer on the neighbor's property, I'm still going to go ask permission. Yeah. That's a thing in me where oh, I'm going to go at least ask them. And if they're a b-hole, you're going anyway. Exactly. Like, <laughs> if I have to call the DNR so get yeah. someone out there, I will. But, I mean, it's always yeah. in the back of my mind where I have to get permission from them. You'd person. want somebody to do it if they were coming on your property. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just an etiquette. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, an it's etiquette a great thing. etiquette, especially yeah. a neighbor. Yeah, yes. Like you said in the last podcast, it's it's a neighbor thing. Good to be neighborly. And there's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with meeting the neighbor there. No. I've no. done that many times. Oh, yeah. really? Yep. Okay, let's go together. Yeah, most and, times they're happy to help. Yes. They and, want to see and, the deer anyways. Yeah. And the and, one time I lost that one that I went and asked the neighbor, he's like, yeah, if you ever get a deer down, just go ahead and do your thing. Like, you don't have to come up here and ask me every time. Just do your thing, which is awesome, you know. Get permission at all times, but. Yeah, because then you know. Right, now I know. The stress level, if it happens again, you're like, all right, we're good. I can, right. go, I can go over there. And I don't have to knock on his door at two in the morning, 6 a.m. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it's the blood trail. I think it's complicated, but it's kind of it's fun in a way. It's fun if you can recover, but like yeah. breaking them down is fun. It is, you know. Like, have you heard of the old school method of run them to, run them down to death? Where they I've keep, never tried to do that. I'm not a fan so, of it myself because you're going to run in the property line. So as I yeah, said earlier, yeah. Nowadays it, it's like everything's bought, so you can't really do that. Yeah, because yeah. in Wisconsin you can't cross property lines, right? No, no. At all, without nope. permission? Without permission. Nope. Yeah. The track stops at the fence. I know what your thought is going to be on that, but break it down. <laughs> oh, just the track stopping at the fence? The run them down thing. Oh, that. Well, so 
different states, different laws. Texas, those guys, Georgia, some places in there that run packs of dogs on deer, that, that's a way of deer hunting for them. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that has some merit. So if you are dealing with a front But, let, but let's stop there. Down in Texas and down in Georgia, their plantations are big. They are. Huge they have tracks. huge tracks. Huge yep. tracks. Not 40s and 80s. Yeah. Right. There's a different mindset here. They're they had, 40,000 and 80,000. Oh, they're just massive. Yeah, deer's off 80 acres in three seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there it has some merit. But plus, the dog can run off lead. If you if your dog is running on a leash, which is the rule in Iowa, it's the rule in Wisconsin and most Midwestern states, and you're going to look at me in the eye and tell me you're going to run a deer down with that dog on a leash, well, <laughs> you, have you better be running be the, quick, boy. <laughs> yeah, and a marathon runner, you know. It's, yeah. it's just not very feasible to me. So but, that dog. Ha- so what you're saying is that dog has to be on leash at all times. Mm-hmm. Yep, they can't be off leash. What is it, 50, what is it, 40 feet, 50 feet? Well, I don't know. I, I run a, like a 40, 50-foot check lead. I can't remember what it is. Um, there's no – yeah, it's, it's somewhere in there, like a 50-foot check lead for – for running the dog but i think it's a great way to track it makes it tracking and right. not hunting deer with dogs which is right. what that's why deer tracking with dogs gets such a bad rap everyone's scared well they're going to be hunting with dogs they're running them with dogs yeah that's like the most negative yeah well like, if that was the case you could just pull up on the side of the road let your dog out once he starts howling you know where the deer is. exactly and, and that's no just not the law that so. at all right <laughs> my first experience was not with casey it was with tracker john and uh we started going, and he goes, you know, we're, we're on the wrong track. I mean, he could tell by the demeanor of the dog that we were not on the deer. Interesting. That's fascinating, crazy. right? And he goes, we got to go back. He goes, get me back to where you hit him. So we went back. We went down a different trail. Long story short, we found him, and that bloodhound was crazy aggressive. And it, John grabbed me. He said, do not go close to him. That is his deer right now until he calms down. If not, he will bite you. <laughs> no wow. shit. No <laughs> shit. And he was crazy aggressive to the point that he, he leashed him and tied him around a tree. And I got close to that deer, and he was lunging at me. Yeah. Because yeah. it was his prize. That was his that prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he lets him have his moment, lets him chew on him. They usually go on the back third of him. Yeah. And, and for whatever reason, they just chaw on him. I don't know why, but they do. They're not like eating them. They just get their fits. Yeah, I, it's crazy. They just start chewing on him. Like and he was just, he looked at me and goes, just let him have his moment. And we yeah. sat there for five or six minutes. And you can and, have your moment. Yeah. Yes. And, and he goes, that's his reward. Just give him time. So Interesting. So another thing is when you're behind a tracking dog and the handler, make sure you give them space mm-hmm. and never get in front of the dog or the handler. Right. You never want to communicate. You just follow and watch, your watch the process and watch the, and take it all in because all you're doing is defeating the purpose. Right. And some of these guys are alpha dogs. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's over here. Let me tell you, the dog knows what he's doing. Right. Just eat your ego, sit back and let it happen. And that's the thing where you were saying earlier, like sit back, watch that dog work. Cause that'll be a way better experience. Way yeah. better. Well, here, let me, let me do this. And you can tell me once again to kick rocks, but any guy <laughs> that listens to this, that's at a bar, local bar. Oh yeah. I listen to the podcast. If you want to get a tracking dog, this is what it's going to cost you. Oh boy. Here we go. Yeah. So you're, yeah, you know, that had to come up. It's, it's different in different areas for sure. And different trackers, they're, they're able to charge whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, when I first did it, uh, I know I charged $500 to track the deer and I charge an extra $250 if I found that deer. I think now changing it, moving forward, it'll be pretty much a thousand just up cut rate that's all it's gonna cost straight up yeah and there might be some mileage in there depending on but i don't plan on going that far now so Mm -hmm. um but usually that's what you're gonna get you're gonna be 
somewhere between 250 to 500 and then they're probably going to want some gas money or something like that to figure it out if they're coming a long distance they live down the road they're not going to ding you for that but yeah yeah, i was going to ask you out of your 88 tracks how far like would you go out since you got you know you're filming and everything like your radius you're still hunting and stuff too yeah when i did that i didn't do a whole lot of hunting when i did that 88 track year as you're up late and stuff like that and yeah and i i tracked all the way from southeast ohio to you know southern illinois back into minnesota and then all around wisconsin it was mostly wisconsin holy shit so so if we shoot a big one you're going to come down and help us that's the question how big is he how far are you going how big is 180 depends on how big a deer greg and i are on it (laughs) (laughs) good answer you can say 150 in case he click (laughs) (laughs) it's 200 inches he shows up it's a 130 inch deer (laughs) no one of, the, one of these days, there'd I'm going to... There'd be a serious days. can of whoop-ass coming out of that truck <laughs> right, right there. Right. <laughs> he just sticks a dog on you. <laughs> oh, I, I think that's one thing about tracking deer that's awesome is there is no trophy for tracking deer. You're just you're trying to find the deer. Could the be a trophy, four-corn. The trophy be, is finding the deer. Exactly. Yeah. I can tell you one thing. That dog doesn't give a shit how big it is. No. They, they <laughs> cared enough to call you, so... Yeah. Well, go, go ahead, Austin. I hate to say it, but somebody in this room in the next two or three or four seasons, we're going to put a bad hit on one, and we're going to be like, oh, you yeah. remember Casey? We need oh, to yeah. call that guy. So... <laughs> Yeah. Are you going to come down this far for us? Yeah, if I if I've if I'm open, I will. Okay, sure. you got a place to stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean Cold it's beer. yeah. You can podcast about it, tell how bad of a hit it was. <laughs> how trash <laughs> you, know, you know what we should do is when things are really low, slow, like that mid October low, is come over here on somebody's farm and whack some does, and then we'll bring the dog. Yeah. And you, you guys see will see it firsthand. I would love that. I got to see what this thing. Because it, 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 it's mind blowing, honestly. It's it's the best That'd show. That'd be awesome. About the Lord Chandler's and shoot a doe. I've got a new farm that needs some doe management done. So doe, we yeah. Doug's damage. got like well, four hundred does on. Let's the just farm. plan out. We'll just do a podcast. This is central ground, really, from yeah. his place to your place. Well, we <laughs> could yeah. we could go out and do a doe mission. Throw yeah. out the dog, do a podcast, and watch yeah. you and l- let you guys have another uh, conversation from the outside looking that'd in. Cool. That'd be awesome. I'd like to see the dog work. That'd be awesome. We could, yeah. do, some, we could do some filming, some podcasting. Yeah. The dope bitch and mission is what yeah. we call it. The dope bitch and mission. Mission. <laughs> mission. I like I that. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. I got it. I, I think like tra- Tracker John is. I think he's like a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks. I can't remember exactly what. Last it is, time he charged me was twelve hundred bucks, but it took him four and a half, five hours to get there. Is yeah. he kind of like the staple in deer tracking he's, right now? He's I mean, the he guy has been, right? Yeah, he he's is. the guy. Yeah. I think anyone yeah. that kind of knows about dog tracking or dog tracking with deer, whatever. Yeah, I know tracker. I've heard of him. Everyone yeah. knows tracker. Well, uh, Fakara, they five him seasons, you yeah. him all the time. It is, um, is there like something that people should look out for as far as like uh, phonies in the tracking game? I'm sure there are. I mean, it, it's getting so big. One thing that I know for sure is that we you were talking about earlier like how to what, what would you tell a guy that wanted to get a dog and get a tracking dog going it's a it's a double-edged sword right because it's fun to get a dog and have a dog as a companion and get it going but if you don't get the dog on enough tracks it's never going to be as Work good down. as you want it to be mm-hmm. right and at the end of the day we talk about this all the time man it'd just be a heck of a lot cheaper to hire someone who does this all the time and tracks all the time than it is to buy your own dog and pay for the food and the vet bills and all that stuff yep. right. and then try to train it to track deer. So if you want the dog, get the dog. Hey, you're going to love the More dog. I love too, dogs. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But if you're buying it to track deer, you better plan on putting it on some tracks. Otherwise, the first person that calls you or the time you want to use it for yourself, you're going to be like, 
What the hell is he doing? I'm here spinning my wheels. Why, why am I doing this? So I think anyone that advertises the fact that they do it for the most part is probably good hearted and they probably work on it because it takes, I know United Blood Trackers is a website out there that is a kind of a community that offers blood tracking dogs and they, they have different addresses listed and contact information. And it costs money to be a member of that. Mm. So, and you also, know, you have to be qualified, right? To yeah, be a tracking dog on that. Not website? to be on the website, you don't have to be. You have to be qualified, but most of them are. Okay, so kind of like a Pope and Young measure, like you got to be qualified and measure. They go through tests, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's, you, yeah. You, there's United Blood Trackers tests, and they have UBT one, two, and, and tier three, I believe they have now. And so, a lot of the dogs on there have been tested and proven, and then they're on the site. Not everyone, though. You can all you have to do is pay your twenty five dollar membership fee and your contacts up there. Gotcha. But I mean, it's something. It's some skin in the game to make sure that you right. know, you're going above and beyond to kind of advertise yourself. Because because I do still, I'd say every year, maybe twice a year, yeah. it's probably two times a year, I get people and no harm or I mean, I'm not, it's not offensive, yeah. but I get the offer. Hey, if you shoot a doe, sure, I got a dog. I just yeah. want to get it going, and I'm kind of always like, nah, I don't want your dog out there. Yeah, to right. be honest, like yep. uh, I'm not trying to be a d hole, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know you. I don't, I don't blame you for that. But fuck your dog, yeah. you know what I mean? No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we had, was it two years ago? Two years ago when I shot that one? And you're, you called that your buddy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah to practice, yep. And and you said, hey, should we let this guy practice? I said, I don't care. And yeah, it was lo- well, also that was late in the year, so we were done. We were done. Which and, is nice. Yeah. See, we I'm, I'm down to get one when I need it, but I don't want you practicing. Yeah. yeah. I, and that might be like a... Negative. No, but. I wouldn't run the dog through our stuff either. No, but yeah. we were we if were we help it. So yeah, I was like, right. you know what? Let's help this guy out. And he was trying to get his dog. See, that's and, cool. And a lot so of my properties, I don't really have that opportunity to like one let a, another person on. Yeah, but if like it was like a one seventy plus type buck for me as a super giant, you know, I'd be like, well, we're, we're gonna bring it on. Yeah, let's yeah. we're gonna figure it out. Yeah, yeah I would figure. I would. You know, that's a good thing. Like to start right now. The season's coming up. Hop online. Get on Facebook or look up some of these tracking guys that are out there. Get on United Blood Trackers and try to find someone in your community and give them a shout. Mm-hmm. Talk to them for a little while. See what they're like. Yeah, and, ask them a couple of questions. Like, what's your protocol? What do you want me to do if I hit one? You know, you'll figure out pretty quick. What's if they your know cost? What How far about. will you go? Yeah. Will you even come to come see me? And Is that's it the thing. I don't even know if there's like any local people around here that do it. I don't really know. I have either. no idea. Well, I can imagine with Iowa opening up, there's going to be a lot of guys popping yeah, up. Yeah, there is. Yeah. You know, and everybody's in the same timeline, so they're all going to be new. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know we didn't. We deep dove in certain spots, but is there anything like really like critical or important that we missed? I had a question. Um, does Doug like rain? Doug, does Are rain or snow like hinder? That's a great question. Yes and no. So uh, here's one thing to understand about moisture. High moisture content is a lot easier to track on because your scent doesn't go very far. It's not dispersed. Okay. Dry and windy is blowing scent everywhere. High moisture, high humidity keeps the scent in one spot. It's the same reason why, like, literally when you're going to hang a tree stand, you want to do it, like, after a rain or during a rain. It's not because the rain washes your scent away. Believe me, it does not. But at least your scent didn't blow into that 80. Right. It just stayed exactly where it is. It's all right there. So it's the same thing with the dog. They run such clean lines when the humidity is high and it's rained. Now, I'm not talking about a freaking hurricane. If right. you get an utter yeah, wash out, you know, that can be bad for the scent line. Um, snow, yes and no. If it snows after on the track a substantial amount by, you know, 
eight, 12 inches, you're going to have some problems finding the track. Um, well, you, if, will your dog even be able to get through 12 inches? Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> you need a lift kit on that She's thing. meaner than she looks. It's still it's a lift yeah. kit. You're just like picking it up as you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're just holding yeah. her above it in the snow. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, other than that, I've had I've had three, four inches of snow on a track and, and found it easy. The one thing that you need to understand about a deer track is that the further you get into the track, the hotter the line is. Right. Because the less the fresh, old it is. The fresher it is. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So... Man, that's backwards thinking, but it makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So once you get past that initial spot, let's say it snowed three inches on the first two hundred yards, but it, you know, then it let up and kind of got better. If you can get into it a ways, you usually will find yourself working out of it. Mm, okay. Same with rain. Same with everything. Makes a ton of sense. It's crazy. I would think. Oh yeah, this trail's going. It's been yeah, and it rained. Time. They were, yeah. we're screwed. Yeah. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. People always think that. Like you're like a mile in on a track with a dog, and they're like, "We are screwed. This is pointless." Deer, you know, deer. Yeah, it's right. just the further they go, the hotter it is for them. You know, like I'm yeah. getting closer. Mm-hmm. Well, for us, it's the opposite. Yeah, you like ready to give up. You get the mental, the mental. You know, your brain's kind of screwing you on your motivation on wanting to keep looking, and you're you're not looking as hard when the further it goes down. Like you said, you kind of like, man, this isn't good. You know, and then I think you start like mentally checking out on it. Maybe, yeah. maybe. now yeah. is there is there a point where like you're that mile in and like where that dog's like kind of losing it or he's like telling you yeah well, like, at what it, point it's like hey it's yeah know, it's not gonna work yeah. out so yeah. as a person if you're gonna track deer for somebody that hires you my my philosophy behind doing it is i used to do it till they were they would quit okay so i would track till they're like dude i'm shot you know oh, right. tired, like, tired. but also there's reading the dog like right. if the dog looks squirrely you know, usually when they lock on, they have a look to them, just like Greg was talking before. You're reading the dog. If the dog looks good, you're following the dog as far as it will go. Mm-hmm. If the dog looks weird, you got to do something different. You either got to circle back and hit last blood or, you know, make a different move in the track or something like that. But that, you know, that's what you're basically basing it off of. The dog's going to tell you when to quit or when to keep going. Mm-hmm. But I would just usually circle around in there and look and look and look until the guy's like, dude, this is ridiculous. I'm done. Okay. Sometimes the dog will look at you like, "Hey, dumbass, he's still alive." Yeah, yeah right. the dog's we're like, out. "Nah, yeah, call we're out." Like, bar- fir- it's like barks at you, like you idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like if they could talk first, if still alive. Yeah, we're out. <laughs> it just it just runs back to the truck. Peace <laughs> out. Yeah. So your point on the most important, like something important, I would say there's a shelf life too. So if it's cold, like four to eight hours used to be my cutoff. I mean, I'm not taking a track that's over four to eight hours old. If it's 85 out, I might take one that's a little older than 48 hours, just depending. So oh, gotcha. just if you start to smell that deer after 48 hours, the dog's going to smell it. So you know? There's a shelf life to the trail. Yeah. So yeah. you know that's why I encourage people to find a guy that they know that can track and just call them right away. If you're confused, you don't understand, just like we are, we're like, I shoot a deer and turn to Greg and go, what do you think? Did I hit him? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, you know, yeah. Have someone in your pocket that you can right. dial up and ask. Yeah. Another hey, thing that this that, guy that can get do, old Frankie out there. You know, we always talk about making deposits right at home. For the kitchen pass to hit kitchen the pass. That's funny. Um, we work with that local guy because Casey didn't. We were we were dogless for a couple three years, and yeah. so when this when we called this guy, he was, "Hey, I just want to track." I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, what, let's let him track because if we ever need him. We're going to go to the top of the list. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because we helped him. So you gave him, right. that's right. So if you guys are out looking for him, you find a guy you like and you say, hey, if you ever want to come track my does, 
I'll be oh. happy to let you do it. Mm-hmm. Just just put me on the list that when I really need you, I go to the top. And I'll go, heck yeah, because nobody else is going to help him. Yeah. Right. Right. See, there that's, I am at the bottom of the list. You're at the bottom of the list. I don't want your dog out hey, here. That's right. You're on that guy's but, shit list. But, you're on the shit list. But, no, <laughs> but I'm fair, serious. It will pay off dividends. But to be fair, I'm the guy who doesn't. Like, it's like, hey, just you out here. Nobody else. You know what I mean? So it's like. That's fine. It's a desperate situation in most cases. Not yeah, always, That's but, fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, and that's like, you know, if you are going to sneak in there and take a look on your own, make it just you. Right. Don't make it you a and dog. You guys. <laughs> Five of your drunk buddies. And, yeah, you know. You know yeah, go that is, hey, call yeah. Casey. We're all here. Call nope. Casey. <laughs> the, the, biggest thing, the biggest thing that gets you in trouble is having a tracking party. It's horrible. Yes. Yeah. Don't do it. It shouldn't exist, really. You got and quad, that's a quadruple the sound. Call everybody. Quadruple the sound, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's, idiots. that's one thing that ends up messing people up. And the other thing is just what you said. Leave the woods, go home, have 15 beers, and then be like, oh, we can get him. And then make, <laughs> yeah, make piss poor decisions. We yeah. got, we yeah, got him have, if we just go now. Yeah, just yeah. have 25 beers and wake up in the morning and go get him. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2 a.m. I could go now or I could oh, just yeah. wait till 7 a.m. Yes. If I have 15 beers, I'm waiting till 10 a.m. the next morning. song <laughs> yeah. over. Daybreak is always better than 2 a.m. Yeah. Oh, yeah, smart. tracking the daylight. Smart. Ton of information, man. It's what's interesting. And, about and it. another thing before I forget is we've talked about this a lot, which is tracking deer in clouded versus solid sunny days mm. is way better to see the blood than yep. not. And the first two hours and the last two hours. In overcast yep. days, it's y- better yes. way better. Way better. Yes. Way better. It's better for looking for sheds and like acres in general too. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Overcast. I'm writing that down. Overcast days are better. Taking notes. Um, no, I mean, I love this type of conversation because it's so multi-layered and situational. Yeah. And what's good about it is it's fun. It is. You can throw so many scenarios. Yeah. What's bad about it is nothing's the final rule. No. 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 What's your worst story? I just say, what's your favorite story? Uh, oh, what's your favorite? What's your favorite and worst? I have a great one that can never be... Like no, like no. Only the person if they listen to your podcast will know who they are. Okay. Just, don't, just don't name names. Don't name well, names. just tell so, it, and they won't hear it. So we tracked a deer for an extremely long period of time, and I was to the point where I was about to give up on the track. And we, I could see a road sign, and I could hear cars kind of going by. And so I basically just picked the dog up and was kind of like just put him on a short leash and was carrying him out to the road. And we got in the ditch and the dog's ears and nose went up and he, he kind of like went and I was like, man, this kind of looks odd. So I put his leash back on him and the deer was laying on the center line of a pretty serious highway. No way. Wounded bad. And so I kind of sat there and I was like, what do I do with this? The deer is here. It wasn't moving. The dog had like was baying at it and barking at it and it wasn't moving. And I literally walked the deer back down, the dog back down in the ditch, and I was going to wait for the hunter to come up because what you are supposed to do is put the dog away so you're no longer tracking, and then you need to contact the DNR, and then you can go and dispatch the animal with permission. But otherwise, you can't fire a weapon off at night. Mm, like, you right. can't shoot your bow or gun at night. Nothing. Especially on a road. Yeah, on a road or whatever. So literally, the deer is sitting there. I'm sitting with the dog. The hunter's on his way out. I'm like, I found him. He's up here. And literally, a freaking Ford F one fifty comes by and smashes that. Dog. <laughs> oh, no. You gotta watch it live. Antlers off, smashed everything oh, right there on the no road. Way. Holy oh. smokes! Yep, it'll be five hundred big ones. See you later, there, bud. Mm, that's a heartbreaker. <laughs> oh. Good luck. 
<laughs> <laughs> That's the worst story. I was trying to cha-ching button. Yeah. That sucks. Yes, that does suck. Did well, you did you have to bring it to him? Oh, he, when he showed up. He, oh, he was out, he was he was literally walking out of the woods. Oh, so he saw it all. Oh yeah, he watched it. Not, not that it matters, but how big was the buck? I I didn't get to see it with his antlers. <laughs> it's like low sixties buck, a biggest nice buck. Mm, nice yeah. buck. That's a heartbreaker. That is a heartbreaker. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah, it was scary because honestly, the guy almost got in a big time accident. You know, because he hit the deer and was you know, and then he stopped and we were standing there and he's like, "What are you guys doing?" The driver. Yeah, right, right, right. It's like, you scared this deer right to me. Yeah. Was that, well, he, was that's that what your, he thought we did. Yeah. Just shattered the rack. Yeah. Was that your worst story or your favorite story? That's probably my worst one, I think. I don't know. It's, I, if it gets worse one? than that, I don't know if I want to hear it. My favorite story was, are, is any time the dog got a hold of the deer when it was still alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was pretty, he was brutal. And he was big enough to, to handle it, which right. was nice. and was kind of fun to watch, you know. Right, right. See him get some action. Yeah. Man. I can't even imagine. I can't either. That's some, Let's, I think we do that. We get these guys down here, shoot some does, and I want to see this. That's Western, Frankie man. might get one by the hoof or whatever, hey, by the throw, ear. Throw Frankie up there. Just, get just, just gets flung. <laughs> Dude, Frankie get to, gets hold of a good jugular. I'm sure to take it down. No, Frankie gets one hair. Look like bodacious out there kicking. Yeah. Oh, dang. Breaking <laughs> deer skulls left and right. Yeah. <laughs> Cracking skulls. Frankie's just riding bodacious out there. Yeah, pretty much. Well, cool, man. Thank you for all the the knowledge and insight. I can't imagine some of the things you've seen. It'd be a whole podcast series in itself. Just story. He could do stories all night long, I bet. We just do our whole series dedicated to tracking. It's a fun thing. It's enjoyable because you get to go with someone else and experience recovering the deer, which is like, you know, when you call your buddies to go. So it's fun. You get to do it all the time, which is enjoyable part of hunting. Way more positives and excitement and reward, like, you know, good feeling, good vibes than it is the other way. Yeah. And 90% of the people are, if you don't find them, they thank you for giving it your best yeah. effort and coming out and helping them, you know, yeah. try and. So I mean, there's nothing buddy when you or nothing better when you're with your buddies and they recover a deer. I mean, right, that's, oh, that's yeah. probably the best moment. Yeah. And you're on top of the world. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Well, thanks. You want to close out with anything? Where can people find you guys? Uh, oh, you can find us on Facebook. It would be Bloodhound Deer Trackers or uh, our United Blood Trackers. I believe we're still uh, involved with that. We got a membership there, so Very that'd cool. be a good spot. Awesome, man. And you want to throw your phone number out there for the people to call you if they... 8675309. Nice. I saw the smile as soon as I mentioned phone number. I think I seen that in a bathroom stall one time. You called it. Call for a good time. Is Casey there? My town's local area code's 867. That song's always funny to me. Oh, really? Yeah. That's hilarious. No, it's 715-340-7333 and Bloodhound Deer Trackers on Facebook. Facebook is another easy way to get a hold of it. Awesome. Cool, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. You. Appreciate you. the knowledge. Greg, you got anything to close out with? No, man. Just thanks for having us down. This is yeah. fun. I'm glad you guys came down. It was cool yeah. to get you guys in the studio. They always cool. seem a little better. They always record better. 100%. And just yeah. good to see good friends, man. Yeah. And, and we're you, not, you know, we're in not sitting in sofas where people fall asleep. So I say now I understand why. Room. Room. How did yeah. I, I know you get their last one last dig in there? I tell you what, it's far from over, Doug. Ah. It's far <laughs> from hey, over. Doug, hey. You're never going to let this down. Never. Nah. Never. That's fine. Everything's fine. You guys Fall got this love. special bond. It's kind of it's all in love. It's though. beautiful. Yeah. 
I was your first. It brings us closer, really. I was, I was your, your first. I was your first. <laughs> that's why the first sleep. you fell asleep so on. Weird. Literally tried to sleep with Greg. Yeah, he literally did. <laughs> the the I first did. he oh, fell he asleep on, I get that. I he didn't it. try. He did it. He there. did it. <laughs> you're, the, you're the first one Doug's ever slept with on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Beautiful. <laughs> it's great to see you guys together, actually. That's why I put you next to each other, and it's... Uh, it's real heartwarming, actually. It is. Really He's rubbed my leg a couple times tonight. I was worried about that, and I was going to pre-warn you, but <laughs> I, the, hopefully it's not on video. The but. new table's wider, so there's more of an overhang, so I can't see that, so not my problem. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's Eric's problem. He built the table. So, what's <laughs> up? Dang it. Well, let's do this dough machine. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Let's All fall. Right. The, I don't know what I called it earlier. The dough machine. We'll do it. All right. I'm going to close her out. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.